It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S-T. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Central. I am alone tonight, or this morning. You know how it goes. Uh, Vince, Vince Imperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends, my regular co-host. He was at the game tonight. I'm recording this uh, late on Tuesday night. Vince was at the game, so he is currently sitting in traffic somewhere in Los Angeles. And so I am on my own tonight. Uh, I am going to talk about the Dodgers' angry win against the Giants. Uh, nice to see the offense bounce back a little bit. Kershaw looked great. We're going to talk all about the team victory. It was really was a team effort, uh, even though Kershaw probably gets player of the game. Team a- effort. And then in the second segment, I'm going to uh, go from the obscure former Dodger of the day and kind of use that to branch into just kind of a little talk about uh, – some interesting things, basically stuff that I find interesting. So it won't be too Dodger specific, but I think if you're a baseball fan, which I uh, have it on good authority, you are, I think you'll find it interesting. So, uh, stick around for that. But first I want to let you know, today's show is brought to you in part by hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip, book your own trip with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com be there, do that, get rewarded. Also want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers in whatever podcast app you like. Himalaya is cool. Check it out if you want to. Uh, but whatever you're comfortable with, subscribe to Locked On Dodgers. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. So the Dodgers beat the Giants 9 to nothing. Uh, Clayton Kershaw pitched seven shutout innings, allowed three hits, really two hits. The third one probably should have been caught by Alex Verdugo. It, it did have a weird tail to it or something, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to focus too much on that. Verdugo's made enough good defensive plays this year that I'm not going to worry too much when he makes an occasional bad one. Uh, Kershaw was never really in too much trouble. Uh, he did almost give up a game-tying homer to Tyler Austin at one point. Uh, Cody Bellinger made a nice play at the wall. I don't think he robbed a homer. I think it would have been off the wall if he hadn't caught it, but it was a nice catch. Uh, other than that, Kershaw, you know, he just kind of rolled. He... Uh, he only had six strikeouts in seven innings, so nothing too outrageous. Two walks, three hits, but just a good, a good solid outing. His ERA now sits at 285 for the season, which is outstanding considering the, you know, the situation he's in with the diminished stuff. One thing that really jumped out at me, he seemed to be starting more hitters with a slider, which I like to see. Uh, we talked, I think it was after his last start, we talked about how he was maybe getting too predictable with that first pitch. Uh, you know, you could get away with the first pitch fastball down the middle when you throw 94 or 95, which he doesn't anymore. And so it was good to see him mixing it up. Uh, I, I saw a couple times where guys fouled off the first pitch and because they thought they were jumping on a fastball and actually they were jumping on a slider and so they weren't able to make solid contact. Uh, it, it, it was really good to see. Uh, obviously, the Giants are not a good offensive team, so 
you know, take everything with a grain of salt, but you know, the giants are who Kershaw was facing. And so you can only pitch to the guys on the team you're facing. And he did a great job pitching to them. Uh, the other thing that really jumped out at me about the game is every Dodger player who came to the plate contributed in some way. Uh, the only guys who came to the plate and didn't get a hit were Kershaw and Kyle Garlick. Garlick walked in his only time up to set up uh, Kike's Grand Slam. Uh, and Kershaw had a great sacrifice bunt. Uh, actually, two sacrifice bunts. Uh, both really good. So he contributed in his own way. Uh, all things considered, you know, and then you had Austin Barnes had a, a big RBI hit, which was good to see. Chris Taylor had a couple hits, an RBI. Kike, one for one with the Grand Slam. He was intentionally walked his first time up when he pinch hit for Jock. Uh, Jock had the leadoff homer. Verdugo had two hits. Bellinger had two hits. Turner had a big hit in the first inning. Uh, Beatty had two hits. Hit the ball hard. Uh, Muncie had a hit. Yeah, everybody contributed. Overall, the Dodgers had 14 hits and nine runs, uh, plus five walks. So they were on base a lot. Uh, it was getting a little frustrating. They did have a couple chances that they didn't capitalize on, but they eventually did. Uh, you know, 10 guys left on base, but nine runs. You know, we'll take it. Uh, overall, just really good to see uh, the offense break out a little bit. What what we can hope as Dodger fans is that Taylor and Kike and Barnes will take something from it because, you know, Kike only got up the twice and he was intentionally walked into Grand Slam. But Taylor and Barnes, even though Taylor had a couple hits and a walk, he also had a strikeout and a, and a pop-up when anything would have been better than a pop-up. You know, uh, we needed a productive out. He didn't do it. Barnes had a couple pop-ups uh, in, in key situations uh, and a strikeout. It was, uh, it was a frustrating game at times watching those guys. And, you know, you like to hope that, that maybe the success something they can build on. Because we've seen both Taylor and Barnes hit better than they've been hitting hitting lately, uh, so hopefully they can build on that. Because the Dodgers need, you know, Taylor specifically. If he's going to be the shortstop until Seager comes back, the Dodgers need Taylor to start hitting. Uh, Vince talked on yesterday's episode about kind of the black hole of the of the lineup when you have Kike and Taylor and Barnes and then the pitcher. Uh, but you know, it was that bottom of the lineup that that did a lot of the damage in the big. The big, what, seven-run inning in today's game? Uh, so, six-run inning. Yeah. So, you know, it, it has been a black hole at times, but it would be nice to see them break out. Really, baseball is such a, a weird game because, you know, people go through slumps, and not everybody's hot at the same time. And so you can have a game, even if these guys don't get hot, the Dodgers can still win a lot of games because, I mean, really the first three hitters of the game. I mean, the game was basically over after Jock's leadoff homer. They could have stopped the game there and said, okay, Giants aren't going to score tonight, so this game's over. Uh, but it was nice to see the Dodgers pile up a bunch of runs, get get the crowd excited on Kershaw bobblehead night, the anniversary of Kershaw's no-hitter, uh, a special day for Kershaw, fun day for the fans, and all around just a good team win, and that's what you want to see there. Uh, hopefully the Dodgers can build on this. They've got two more games against the Giants in the series. And, uh, you know, they face Drew Pomeranz today uh, in, in Wednesday's game. Pomeranz is not good. He looked good against the Dodgers last time. I kind of think that means the Dodgers are going to knock him around tonight. Uh, and then they get Bumgarner tomorrow in the series finale. 
hopefully, uh, I mean, he looked good against the Dodgers last time too. So hopefully, hopefully the Dodgers are ready to bounce back against both of those guys. Uh, obviously they're both lefties, which means they're going to need some production from Taylor and or Kike and or Barnes. Hopefully all three. Uh, Kike has owned Bumgarner in the past. I kind of hope they don't have Kike lead off like they do sometimes against Bumgarner. Uh, but, you know, I guess a lot of it might depend on how he does against Pomeranz today because after going one for one with the Grand Slam uh, last night, you know, uh, there's not much to say he shouldn't be hitting against Bumgarner. Um, so we'll see what happens. But hopefully the Dodgers can finish up uh, a series victory with a couple more wins against the Giants. So that's it for segment one. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about my obscure former Dodger and then branch into just some uh, miscellaneous baseball history talk that I think you'll find interesting. I did anyway. Uh, First, I want to remind you to give Hotels.com a try. It's a great website. If you ever need to book a hotel, it's the way to go. You get rewards. You get a good price. What more could you want? Uh, Also, please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers on Himalaya or Apple Music or Podcasts, whatever it's called. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe to Locked on Dodgers and be sure to listen every day. And I will be right back. All right, let's take a quick break. For the next minute or two, we're going to talk about SEX. So if you have any KIDS in the CAR, go ahead and plug their EARS for a minute, okay? Hope I spelled all those words right and I hope you could tell what they meant. Uh, Have you ever gone to the barber and wondered why there's a bunch of gray hairs on the ground when they're done cutting your hair? Or have you ever played catch with your son and then you feel like a truck hit you for the next couple days? Or maybe when it comes to the sexy times, are you maybe just maybe a little less always ready to go than you were when you were younger? Don't answer those questions out loud and please do not tweet your answers at us. It's none of our business. In fact, to quote Michael Jackson from back when we were allowed to acknowledge his existence, ain't nobody's business but mine and my baby. That's where BlueChew.com comes in. If you want to increase your performance and get some extra confidence in bed, check out Blue Chew. That's blue as in I bleed Dodger blue and chew as in Madison Bumgarner likes to chew out opponents who pimp homers or flip bats or look at him because he's a crybaby and a stunted immaturity, whatever he is. Anyway, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work, but the best part is. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a boost in the bedroom, either in quality, quantity, or both. I mean, I obviously don't have any problems in that department. I don't mean to brag, but I do have three whole kids. But I have to admit, even I am a little bit intrigued. So anyway, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W dot com, promo code M-L-B to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Dodgers. Okay, uh, let's talk about today's obscure former Dodger of the day. Now, uh, this guy, he he sticks out in my mind. Uh, I started collecting baseball cards in 1984. 
this guy came to the Dodgers in 1984. Uh, and so I think his first cards as a Dodger were the 85 set, which uh, I, I have fond. I can picture his 85 tops card. Uh, his name is Terry Whitfield. Uh, as a dumb kid growing up, I assumed that Terry Whitfield and Dave Winfield must be related because I was really, really stupid. Uh, it turns out that Whitfield and Winfield are different last names. And I knew that, but I didn't know that meant that they probably weren't related. Uh, but now I do. But my brother was worst. He thought that Steve Sachs and Steve Garvey must be brothers because they were both named Steve. So my brother, Chris, you're stupider than me. Uh, but Terry Whitfield, not related to Dave Winfield. Uh, but interestingly, uh, they were teammates, maybe. Uh, I can't remember when Winfield went to. No, they probably weren't. Uh, but Whitfield played for the Yankees, 74 to 76. Just got a few, few plate appearances each year. Uh, and then he went to the Giants for four years and actually was a pretty solid player for the Giants. And then he went to Japan. He played in Japan from 81 to 83 for the Cebu Lions. Uh, and he was really good. He was, you know, not the first, probably one of the first guys, examples of guys who go from the United States to Japan, put up big numbers. Uh, he played for three years for the Cebu Lions uh, in 1981, batted 316 with 22 homers and 100 RBIs. Uh, he won the award for the best player at his position the next year, 25 homers and 71 RBIs. And then in 1983, 278 batting average, 38 homers, 109 RBIs was named an all-star and won another, what they call the best nine award for the best player at his position. Then he went back to the Dodgers and, uh, or back to the major leagues and signed with the Dodgers. And he was eh, not very good. Uh, he hit a total of seven homers in parts of three seasons with the Dodgers. Uh, batted 242 with a 362 slugging percentage. Uh, yeah, just not very good. But, uh, you know, played for the Dodgers. He he did play in the 1985 NLCS against the, against the Cardinals. Didn't get any plate appearances. Came in as a defensive replacement. Uh, I wonder if he ever wishes he had stayed in Japan where he was a big star, but I don't know. But the, the things about Terry Whitfield, as I was digging into his baseball reference page, things jumped out at me. Uh, the similarity scores, if you've ever not seen that on baseball reference, scroll, scroll down on any player's page and you will get the top 10 most similar players. And the interesting thing about Terry Whitfield is I'm a big baseball fan. I know a lot about baseball and I have only heard of three of the players on Terry Whitfield's top 10 most similar players. Uh, one of those is Chris Norfia. He was a Dodger killer. One of them was Mike Vale, who I basically remember from baseball cards, and he played for the Dodgers briefly. And then the other one is Brady Clark, who also played for the Dodgers briefly, but mostly I'm familiar with his name because I saw a little meme a week or two ago about his name because Brady Clark rhymes with Baby Shark. So that's why I have heard of Brady Clark. Um, but then I was looking more and I saw, oh, Terry Whitfield was drafted in the first round by the Yankees in 1971. Did some quick math, 1971 out of high school. That means he's my parents' age. Sure enough, he was born uh, a month and two days before my mom and two and a half months before my dad. Uh, and so I was looking at the draft and... The year he was drafted, I thought, I wonder who, who else was drafted that year. And something, something interesting jumped out at me. Every player in the first round of the June 1971 draft was drafted out of high school. Um, and 
So that got me thinking and I did a little digging and uh, the history of the draft is really interesting. So first of all, I'll, I'll tell you, very few good players were drafted in that first round. Uh, Jim Rice was, he's a Hall of Famer. He was picked four picks ahead of Terry Whitfield. Frank Tanana uh, was picked two picks two picks before Jim Rice. He was picked by the Angels. Uh, he was uh, he should be a Hall of Famer, or at least should have been before Jim Rice. Uh, he was a very good pitcher. And then Rick Roden was picked the pick after Terry Whitfield. Uh, the Yankees drafted Whitfield, and then the Dodgers drafted Rick Roden. Uh, Rick Roden was pretty good too. The other guys, uh, a lot of names, guys, some guys who made the majors uh, and just weren't any good. Some A lot of guys who never made the majors at all Interestingly, uh, there was a guy picked with the 14th pick, right between Frank Tanana and Jim Rice. His name was Rich Puig. Uh, there was actually another Puig in Major League Baseball. This guy uh, is not, doesn't appear to be any sort of Latin American. Looks like your average boring white guy uh, from Tampa, Florida. His name was Rich Puig. I don't even know if it was pronounced Puig, but it's spelled like Puig. Richard Gerald Puig. So that was interesting to me. I always assumed that Yasiel Puig was the first Puig in baseball history, but he wasn't. So back to talking about the draft. Back in the early 70s, and for a long time, there were actually multiple drafts per year. And the what we now think of as the June draft, the main draft, uh, the only players eligible were guys coming out of high school, and uh, graduating college players. And as you know, these days, most college players who are drafted are drafted after their junior years. Guys who don't get drafted till after their senior year uh, are generally the lesser players a little bit, you know. Um, you do see some guys come from that. I think Matt Beatty was drafted after his senior year. Um, but, you know, not, not a lot of big stars get drafted after their senior year in college. It's usually after your junior year or out of high school. Uh, but back then, the only people eligible for the June draft were high school students and graduating college players. And then you had two other drafts. Uh, in the January draft, uh, I'm reading from Wikipedia here, another draft was held in January, which typically involved high school players who gradu graduated in the winter, junior college players, and players who had dropped out of four-year colleges. Junior college players were required to wait until after the current season was completed before they could sign. Uh, and then there was a draft in August for players who participated in amateur summer leagues. Uh, but that was eliminated after only two years. But the January draft lasted until 1986. And then I, there was also a, another segment of the June draft uh, that I, I don't know exactly what that was all about. But I thought that was interesting to, to look and see some of the guys and so if you look at the guys who were drafted in the 71 june draft with, with terry whitfield if you look at like the june secondary draft which uh <laughs> you had a lot more college players there and that brought in guys like burt hooten burt hooten was drafted there steve rogers who pitched a long time for the expos uh and later became captain america apparently and then the january draft that year had some uh Basically, a whole lot of nothing. You had and this because this is mostly like junior college people, so it was basically a useless draft. Only four guys drafted in the first round of the January draft. Sorry, three guys even made the major leagues. Uh, the only one who you've ever heard of was John Wathan, and mostly you've heard of him because he 
later became a manager. The first pick was Dave Hilton, who made the major leagues but was not any good. Uh, then Watham was the fifth or fourth pick, and Don Collins was the fifth pick, and he made the majors and was not any good. So the draft, uh, the draft has is something that teams have become a lot better at over the years, which is really interesting to me, and it makes sense that teams would get better at it. Uh, we know that the first the first draft or the first draft pick ever was Rick Monday, I believe. Yeah, in the very first draft in 1965, Rick Monday was drafted by the A's. And and again, you know that whole draft, uh, almost everybody was out of high school uh, in that first round. You had two, col- three college students: Al Gallagher, who was not very good, he did make the major leagues; Ken Plesha out of Notre Dame, who didn't even make the major leagues; and Joe DeFabio out of Delta State University in Cleveland, Mississippi, who also never made the major leagues. Everybody else was high school students, and there were some better players there: Rick Monday, Joe Coleman. Ray Fossey, uh, Bernie Carbo, a lot of guys who, who were in being decent. But you compare that now to, to more recent drafts. And if we just say, you know, what, let's look at the 2010 first round. I literally just picked that randomly because it's long enough ago that guys who are going to make the big leagues will have made the ma- major leagues. I guess that's not fair because that's Bryce Harper's year. But that's okay because even without Harper, you look at some of the guys drafted there. Harper first, Jamison Tyon, who has had a solid you know, major league career a little bit. Second, Manny Machado, third. Christian Colon, fourth, made the major leagues. Drew Pomeranz, who's about to get lit up by the Dodgers later today, fifth. Seventh, Matt Harvey, eighth, Delano DeShields Jr., twelfth, Yasmani Grandal, thirteenth, Chris Sale, nineteenth, Mike Fultonevich, twenty-third, Christian Yelich. So a lot of guys, you know, compare it to some of the earlier drafts, the first round, you know, the supplemental first round, Noah Syndergaard with a 38th pick. Uh, Taiwan Walker, Nick Castellanos. So there have been a lot better success, it seems. And it makes sense. Teams are getting better at drafting, but uh, it's funny to see it in action. That you could have, in 1971, a guy like Terry Whitfield picked with the 19th overall pick and him actually be one of the better picks of of that draft. I mean, all things considered, in that first round, if you sort it by war, Terry Whitfield was the the fifth best draft pick in that in that draft in that first round after Tanana, Rice, Roden, and Craig Reynolds. Uh, and then, you know, if Terry Whitfield is the fifth best player picked in the first round of a draft, uh, that's kind of the definition of a not a very good draft. So Terry Whitfield is our obscure former Dodger of the day. And that is just a little bit of talk about the history of the draft. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. You know, we, we promised when we started this podcast, it wasn't just going to be a recap of the previous day's game. Uh, we want to talk about other things too, and even not just Dodger specific. Uh, I am a big fan of baseball history. I think it's interesting. Uh, we just had the draft for this year, and so the draft is a little bit on people's mind. And uh, I think a little look at some of the history of the draft is it's fun to look at once in a while. So hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that's about all I have for today. Uh, I think Vince and I will be together tomorrow. No promises, but but that's the plan as of right now anyway. Uh, thank you for listening, Locked on Dodgers. Uh, hopefully the Dodgers can put a beating on Drew Pomeranz today. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on Himalaya or any other podcast app you like. Best things you can do to help us are subscribe, tell your friends, and rate and review us on iTunes. Remember, we have a giveaway going on. You have until Thursday evening to get your review in, to be eligible to win 
the Max Muncy Go Get It Out of the Ocean shirt uh, that uh, Vince's site, Chavez Breeding Fiends, is selling. So go leave us a review. If you've already left us a review, you are already eligible to win. If you haven't, go do that now to become eligible. Uh, while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog. Call and leave us a voicemail anytime you want at 323-863-LOCK, L-O-C-K. A reminder, uh, if you are going to leave us a voicemail, tell us your name. If you have a Twitter handle, tell that to us. Keep it clean and uh, you know, try to keep it short. If, if it's short enough, we'll play it on the show. If not, we may just summarize it. So if you ramble on for two and a half minutes, uh, we probably won't play the actual voicemail, even though we might discuss your topic. Uh, but if you keep it, you know, 20, 30 seconds, then we'll, we may actually play it on the show. Uh, we are here every weekday morning, and we hope you will be too. When you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you later. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard. Oh, hard and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast at Free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.